God bless you. Hopefully you've had a great week, or at least getting ready to start off a great week. God is good, isn't he? He is. God is good. And uh, he is faithful, and he watches over us. Uh, If you notice, there's still a moving truck sitting out in the church parking lot. Still there. And so uh, I'm actually starting a moving company on the side. Um, And so... uh, so if you, you know, we'll see, maybe this week, Lord willing, we'll just keep waiting, but supposedly this week, Lord willing, we're just waiting on the banks. Uh, a lot of houses being bought and sold, and so it takes longer for banks to process things. Um, and so, uh, Lord willing, hopefully by God's grace, maybe the middle of this week, we'll see. Um, there's only one other, probably a couple other people more excited about us possibly moving, and that's Greg and Carol. Uh, I... You know, we've been staying with them down in their basement, and here's the thing. They left town this week, and I don't blame them. And, I, and they said, when we come back, we sure hope that the cars aren't here. And I said, I know. And, and she, she, she goes, well, I didn't mean it that way. Carol's probably watching right now somewhere. She goes, I didn't mean it that way. I meant, you know, we don't want to have to do the movie. I'm like, mm-hmm, right, yeah, I know exactly what that means. I told you last week, I can't even put up with my family. Amen? You know, how are they supposed to put up with us? But, uh, Lord willing, this week, uh, by God's grace, we will have some announcements at the end, but we're going to jump into the Word this morning. I think Anthony's going to help us with some announcements. But we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'd like to just get right into the Word. Uh, that way we have time for that. And uh, we'll try to be on point and try to move as quickly as we can. A lot of great, great Scripture here. A lot of... Uh, insight from the Apostle Paul in living the Christian life as he kind of finishes up this letter as we've been studying the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and these are his closing remarks as we finish up with this amazing book of uh, Thessalonians. Now notice what he says in verse 16 is where we're going to pick up this week. He says, always be joyful. Always be joyful. Um, That's sometimes hard to do, isn't it? But he says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. That's challenging. Be thankful, notice this, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. Notice what he says, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. And then we see his final greetings. He says, now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. By the way, that's why we're reading this letter. It was only not only for that church, but for our church today as well. He says, I command you. That's why we're reading and studying this letter. He says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Would you bow with me as we pray and ask God to bless his word. Lord, we thank you. You are a great God, an awesome God, and we have so much to be thankful for. And God, I pray you'd forgive us for where we fail to be thankful and grateful. And God, I pray that you would bless your word this morning. So much here as Paul ends this letter and he writes this letter to those he loved, his brothers and sisters in Christ. And as he ends this letter, he gives them some final words, some final instruction and counsel and, 
And Lord, there's a whole lot here, and it can be so helpful to us. There's so much here, but so little time. So please give me wisdom, Lord, to cover, Lord, the things that would be most helpful. I pray that you would bless each one that is here today, but there's others watching and joining us online. I pray that you would just touch and speak to each one of us in a special way that only the Holy Spirit can do through only the power of the Holy Spirit and through your word. And so we pray your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In these last uh, words that Paul speaks to this church, um, some of the, the ending remarks, I find this interesting. He says, always be joyful. Always be joyful. Notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say, be happy. Um, I want to just briefly touch on this because, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that have a, a misunderstanding of what joy really is. A lot of people think that joy is being happy. And, and let me just say this, happy or to be happy is really has to do with your happenings, what's happening around you. And so if, if something's going really good, then they're happy, you know. I just won the lottery, so I'm happy, you know. Uh, and then after a while, everybody wants your money because you won the lottery, and now you're not so happy, you know. And so all of a sudden, everybody wants to be your friend, you know. But happiness has to do with happenings. Joy is something that's on the inside has nothing to do with what's going on with our circumstances. And so Paul says, always be joyful. And as we're studying this letter, remember, what were the circumstances around this letter that was written to this church? What was this church going through? As you read First and Second Thessalonians, this church is under persecution. They're being martyred, some of them. Remember, Paul could only stay there for three weeks. They ran Paul out of town. And then Paul later went to Berea, and they chased after him from there. You know, Paul could not stay there because they wanted to kill him. And when Paul writes this letter, he makes a number of statements. He says, always be joyful. He says, give thanks all the time in all circumstances. You see, understand, they, they were not living under good circumstances. It was difficult. Yet Paul says, as followers of Christ, with the power of Christ living in us, you can still experience joy, even though your circumstances aren't maybe what you like. You may be living out of a suitcase for quite a while, but that's okay. You know, you may have to wait a little bit longer, but that's okay. Be joyful in all circumstances. You see, joy is something that is some, something from within. It's internal. And by the way, it comes from the Lord. Happiness is just what's going on in our circumstances. You know, let's think about this. A lot of times people think, well, I have more money. If I have more cars, if I have lots of, if I have fortune, if I have fame. Have you ever really considered the people that you read about a lot of times who are taking their own lives, sad to say? Think about people who even made people laugh. People like Robin Williams, you know, who are funny. And if you look at their life, it looks like it's, they have a perfect life. Think about sports stars and athletes and movie stars. And, you know, think about even young actors who end up taking their own lives and overdosing. And many of them, you know, suicide and all of these things. If you look on the outside, you look at their life, it looks great. If you look at their fake book, I mean Facebook profile, it looks great. 
You know, if you look at their Instagram or Snapchat, you know, and, and here's a, the, something that we have to really realize is, is it's so deceptive. Because many times what they put is just the highlight of their day or the highlight of their life. And you look at these people and, and listen to me. Do you know that there's been studies that the more you spend on social media, the more depressed you become? Because often what happens is you're looking at other people's lives and you're comparing your life to a little 10 second snapshot that they've taken that little selfie you know and they took that picture and you're like wow their life is so amazing or when you look at many times these sports stars you look at the movie stars but yet many of them many of them are not happy because of this the idea is they're only happy for a moment but they don't have joy they don't have true joy there's something missing there's something missing and i do know what that missing ingredient is it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The joy of the Lord is missing. And so he says, let me remind you to always be joyful. But notice what he says. He moves on. He says in the next verse, he says, never stop praying to pray continually to keep praying. Some versions will say to to pray without ceasing, to never stop praying. And can I tell you something? Prayer is so important in the life of a Christian. We could spend weeks just on this. Maybe eventually we'll get into a series on prayer because for me personally, prayer is probably one of the most neglected things that we do as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the reason why many times we do not have joy is because we're not praying. Many times the reason why we don't really sense and have that that presence of the Holy Spirit is because we do not pray. And Paul says, church, listen to me, you're in a tough circumstance. There's a lot going on. He says, so pray continually. You're under oppression. Pray. You're being persecuted. Pray. Do not stop praying. Pray continuously. I love what was asked of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Some of you may have heard of him. Some of you may have not. But he was called the Prince of Preachers. He wrote hundreds, literally hundreds of volumes of books. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was called the Prince of Preachers. He preached in London. He shook literally continents for the glory of God. God used this man tremendously. And one time one of his students asked him, they said, uh, Mr. Spurgeon, How long do you pray? We know that you're a man of power. And by the way, it was cool because when Charles Haddon preached, there's something very unique. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And people said, where does this this passion and power come from? He says, let me show you the boiler room. And they said, what do you mean the boiler room? And they said, let me show you the boiler room. And so it was at the beginning of a service. And so when someone was visiting, he said, where does this power come from when you preach? And so he took them down to the basement underneath. And underneath the platform area where Charles hadn't preached, there were about 150 people on their knees praying for God's power while he preached the word. And so we're going to make a compartment. And some of you are going to be underneath here. All right. There'll be a few requirements. You need to be skinny. Sorry. No, I mean, no judging here, but you know, there's not a lot of space, but we're going to find a way. Amen. And so when I preach, if I don't think I'm feeling it, I'm going to stomp a little bit. That means pray harder. But he did. He had that, that prayer. But this was interesting. When they asked Spurgeon, how long do you pray? This is what Spurgeon's response. He said this, I don't ever remember a time praying for more than 15 minutes. And they were shocked. They said, what do you mean? You've, you're the prince of preachers. You're, you're this great preacher. He said, I've ne- I don't remember or recall a time ever praying longer than 15 minutes. And I think there's a lot of Christians like, yes, finally. 
But he says this, I can rarely recall a time that I've gone 15 minutes without praying. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be in constant communication with our Father. The beautiful thing about prayer is we have access to God that we can pray when we're driving our cars with our eyes open. Amen? You keep your eyes open when you pray. You know, sometimes we think we always have to close our eyes when we pray. Why don't go up to my wife and close my eyes when I talk to my wife? If I did, she'd slap me, you know? What are you doing that for? Am I that bad? You know? No. We talk to God. We can talk to him anywhere and everywhere. That is the beauty of, of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the work of Christ in our lives. Amen? That we can talk to God anywhere at any time. And he says, don't stop praying. Pray continually. Look with me in Luke 18. We'll put it here for you. But sometimes in prayer we have to be tenacious. We have to be persistent. We can't quit. Many times we pray one time and We expect God to just move and to do what we want the first time. Listen to this parable that Jesus gives. And it ties into what Paul is saying is to to pray continuously, to never stop, to keep praying. I think sometimes we just pray once or twice and we just give up on it. You know, what is it that you, what need do you have? What is it that you need God to do? Listen to what Jesus said in his own teaching of prayer. Jesus said, this is how you pray. He says, one day in verse uh, 1 of it, chapter 18, he says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story. Notice this, to show them how they should always pray and what? Never give up. Never give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't quit. Stay after it. He says, let me teach you a lesson about prayer and how you should never give up. He says, there was a judge in a certain city and he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with mine enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God. I don't care about people. This wasn't a very good judge, was he? I don't care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. And all the men said, "Oh, oh, oh, you're going to get yourself in trouble in church. Text in context, amen, okay. (laughs) This woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't think that God will surely give justice. Don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Notice that day and night crying out. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Listen to what Jesus said. He says, when you pray, and he's teaching his disciples, he says, pray persistently. Keep begging God. Keep crying out to God. Keep, can I use this word? It's in the Greek. It's in the original language. You ready? Nag God. You you don't want to know something. I've had people say, Pastor Joe, you pray about this because I know that you have God's ear. It's not really that I have God's ear. I'm just a pain. I'll just be honest. And I just nag God, nag God, nag. You know where I learned it from? My kids. (laughs) It works. 
There are so many times with my kids over the years, they want something. I don't want to. And it might be, you know, maybe it's the end of the day and I'm tired. And like, hey, dad, my da- temperance, my daughter, dad, can you come play this game? Will you come play this game with me? And I'm like, I don't really want to play this game. Please, dad, please. And she'll just nag me. And I'm like, well, I can't keep watching what I'm watching because I can't enjoy it. So I might as well stop what I'm doing and go play. Or, you know, dad, can we have ice cream? Please, can we have ice cream? It's pizza and ice cream. And by the way, I mean, how, how can I resist that, you know? But dad, you know, and we'd get in the car, and there's times you get in the car, you know, we go to the store, we're at the store, and it's like, we're not, listen, we're not getting pizza and ice cream. We're not. We're not getting it. You know, 25 minutes later, there's pizza and ice cream in the car, you know? And they just nag, and they nag, and they nag. How many of you have been there, done that, right? They just wear you out. They're wearing you down. Aren't you glad the kids in children's church, they don't learn that this actually works? They, they already know. It's true, man. They just nag you, and they nag you, and they nag you, and they wear you down. And finally, you're just like, ah. Can I tell you something? Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, do that with your father. Just like a child wear mom or dad out to get what they want. He says, wear God out. Nag him. Isn't this a beautiful thing that that we can nag and wear God out to where he'll just finally say, okay, I'm going to do this for you. Don't quit. Nag and keep nagging God. That's in the Greek, okay? But he says, be persistent. Moving on, he says in verse 18, by the way, this is all going to tie in. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. We already mentioned a little bit about this, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He says, be thankful, to always be thankful. He says, rejoice always. He says, pray always. Now he's saying, be thankful always. Always be thankful in all circumstances. And notice what he says, I believe all this is tying together. For this is God's will. You know, how many of you have ever said, what's God's will for my life? We've all been there, right? And obviously, a lot of times it's job, it's career, it's work. And I know Pastor Richard spoke on this just a few weeks back, a number of weeks back, on God's will. Can I tell you, there are a few areas in the Bible where the Bible clearly just spells it out. This is God's will. You want to know, number one, he says, God says this. He says, he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. You know what God's will is? God's will is for all people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is God's will. Do we have an amen there this morning? That is God's will. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to not come to the the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The second one that we see was a few weeks ago. There's probably maybe others, but where it just really blatantly says, this is God's will. Pastor uh, Richard preached on this. It says this in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. It says it's God's will that we be sanctified, that we avoid sexual immorality, and that we live a godly, holy life that's pleasing to God. So as you accept Christ as your Savior, you believe upon Him, the next thing He says is you live a holy life. That is God's will. That is God's will for your life and for my life. And then He says here... Here's a third thing that the Bible just blatantly says, this is God's will. God's will is for us to be a grateful people, to be an appreciative people. Amen? And as we were singing this morning, we, we are to be thankful. We're to be appreciative. We're to be thankful. God 
God's will for us is to be a thankful people in all circumstances. Even though this church was persecuted, even though this church was under great opposition, he said, be thankful anyway. Be thankful anyway. We are to be a grateful people. Probably one of the most ugly things is this. And let me just say it just plainly as I can. One of the most ugly things is for a child of God who has been forgiven of their sins, been promised an eternal life in heaven, is to be ungrateful and unthankful and to be miserable. Are you with me this morning? And to not have a, an attitude of gratitude. By the way, as parents, when you have kids and dealing with kids and you, you do all that you can for them and then they have this just terrible attitude and maybe you get them something or they beg for ice cream and they nag for ice cream and pizza and you finally get it and then they're not thankful. They sit down and after you buy the pizza and you get the ice cream, they're like, oh, I want pepperoni. I you want the cheese. Oh, wait, no, I can't do that. Right, and then you sit down for ice cream. I I didn't want the rocky road. I wanted the cookies and cream. Ah! You know what you'd say? You ungrateful. That's it. That is it. I am done. Am I right? Are you? Am I? Are you with me? You want to know something? All that God does for us. You know what we do? We whine and we complain and we murmur. That's an Old Testament word. We murmur against God. We murmur against God. Do you know in the Old Testament, the times that you see God angry, upset with his people, the nation of Israel, the, the, the numerous times you see God very upset where God just like, I mean, he's just like, I am done. And he would send plagues. You know what it was? When they complained. We don't like this manna. Oh, God, why are you giving this manna? Ah, and they cried and they complained and God sent plagues. They murmured. Can you say, let's all say it together. Murmured. It just sounds kind of, ugh. They murmured. That's the word that the Bible used in the Old Testament. They murmured. They complained. And here's, think about this. After all that God did for them, God delivered them out of Egypt. He sent the ten plagues, right? I mean, not God delivers them out of bondage. They cried out to God for hundreds, was it, like 400 years. They prayed and they cried out to God. Oh, deliver us. God, deliver us. Have mercy on us. God delivers them. He sends Moses and he delivers them in a mighty way. He's going, he parts the Red Sea for them and they go across on dry ground and the entire Egyptian army is destroyed in a flood I mean all that God did. and then and he sent a, a cloud to cover them to give them shade by day and at night he sent them a fire because it was cold and to light the way and on top of that he gave them food they didn't even have to go to drive through it was delivery I mean right there I mean, it was the original delivery service. I mean, they just got on their little app and they said manna for three and it was there. Uber Eats was there. I'm telling you, it was there. And they, it was delivery, special delivery, bread from heaven. And then they complained about that. And then God gave them quail. Then they ate so much they got sick. Remember, it's all in the Bible. And then they complained about that. And they just constantly complained. They complained about their leader. They, God brought Moses, like, yay, Moses, yay. Oh, thank God for Moses delivered. Like three weeks later, kill him. And they're picking up rocks. 
I'm praying I can make it past three weeks, amen, without the rocks. I mean, that's how quick they changed, and then they wanted to kill him. And they complained about everything, and God said, how dare you, after all I've done for you, you're going to complain and not be thankful and not be grateful? Oh, brothers and sisters, we should have an attitude of gratitude. And then he says this. Do not stifle or do not, some would say, quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe the context is huge here. It's huge. Sometimes we just think that statement stands alone. Well, just don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But I believe what Paul was saying is this, is, is this is how we grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. You ready? When we're not joyful, when we don't pray always, and when we are not grateful and thankful and appreciative, what we do is in our spiritual lives, we are grieving, stifling, quenching the Holy Spirit. He doesn't make this statement that stands alone. Don't, just kind of a broad statement, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve it. What he's saying is, is this is how you grieve the Holy Spirit. When you are not joyful, when you are not thankful, when you are not appreciative, when you are not in a spirit of prayer, what you do is you offend the Holy Spirit. Do you understand the Holy Spirit is referred to as a he, a person of the Holy Spirit? You know, so many times in our spiritual lives, we offend God not even realizing it, not even knowing it. When we blow God off, when we're too busy for God. Do you know many times we spend more time worried about offending a, a family member or a friend? And we're so worried and we say, well, I don't want to offend them. Can I, if you get nothing else out of the message today, can I tell you something? Do you understand that you can offend the Spirit of God? Let me put it in these terms. You can hurt God's feelings. That God has feelings. Did you get that? The Holy Spirit has feelings. And you can hurt the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Listen, brothers and sisters, this is deep. And I mean that in the most serious of ways. That so often we're so worried, well, I don't want to, I'm going to be careful how I act because I don't want to offend this person. And that's, that's wise and that's good. But you know, so often we have no, we don't really think about this. But you want to know something? We quench and grieve the very Spirit of God. God's Spirit dwells within us. And we quench His Spirit. When we get stiff-armed God, when, we, when we're not obedient, and there's so many things, but let's look at the context. When we don't pray and talk to God, that offends Him. It's kind of like maybe if you get into the car and your spouse gets in the car and you just sit there, you don't talk. They start trying to talk and you just cold, no response. Have you ever gotten a cold shoulder before? How many of you ever? I have. Have you ever gotten a cold shoulder? Oh, man, it's cold. Ooh, it's chilly. Have you ever just known, like, or you just, maybe somebody you know, you know, even at, even at you know, teenagers and stuff, somebody, and all of a sudden they're just, you can just tell, you're like, ooh, it's freezing. You're like adjusting the thermostat, trying to turn up the heat because it's cold. You know, we do that to God a lot of times, not even realizing it. 
we quench the Holy Spirit. Let me just give a quick analogy. Hold on one second. Quick illustration. You ready? Quick illustration. Pretend this is a fire. What does the Holy Spirit refer to? It's like a what? Like a fire. Remember when they were filled with the Spirit? Now, I had two choices in blankets back in the office. There was an LOL blanket or something like that, LOL doll. I don't know what this one is. But the LOL doll, she was, she was pretty scantily dressed, I have to admit. I was like, we need to pray for this church. They're quenching the Holy Spirit right here, right now. So some little LOL doll, pink. Uh, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to bring up the pink. So overlook this blanket. But let's pretend this is a fire. What does the Holy Spirit use to symbolize as? When they were filled with the Spirit, what did the Bible say? There was like a, like a flame, like a fire. Isn't it interesting the wording of the Scripture? Paul says don't quench, don't grieve, don't offend the Holy Spirit. But the idea is this, don't quench, don't stifle. Can you see my little fire right here? Do you picture this? Nice little fire. Now, what happens if I, there's a fire, right? What happens if I take a wet blanket or a blanket and there's a fire and I do this? And I put it out. Or I at least, at least, just completely stifle that flame. And then all of a sudden there's smoke everywhere, right? Every time we stiff arm God and we're not, praying and talking to God. You know what we're doing? We're quenching. We're grieving. We're stifling the Holy Spirit. Listen, one step farther. When we are not experiencing joy in our lives, but let's go a little bit farther. When we are not grateful, when we are not thankful, when we have an attitude that is not an attitude of gratitude, but we're not thankful, you want to know something? Every time we, have the, we allow the, the enemy to do this, where we're unthankful, we're unappreciative, and we don't really thank God for what he is and who he is in our lives, you know what we're doing? We're putting a blanket. We're stifling the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know what this is? I got some lighter fluid here. All right? This is what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Every time we pray, by the way, every young guy loves doing this, you know. I mean, this right, I, I was like, I got to go make a fire just to use this up. I'm just straight up, like, I love fires. I love fires. I love bonfires. I love making fires. I like seeing the flame, you know. I, I like taking, like, WD-40 and hairspray and, and you know, making homemade flamethrowers. Are you with me? But hey, look, when you spray that, what happens? Think about this. Every time you pray, the Spirit, you're feeding the Spirit. Every time you are thankful and grateful for what God's doing in your life, we're feeding the flame of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me this morning? Does that make sense? You know, many times we are quenching and grieving and offending the Spirit of God. I only have time for one more quick thought here in this passage. He says in verse 20 through 22, let me finish with this before we're done. In verse 20 through 22, he says this. Do not scoff at prophecies. So don't make fun of my, my preaching this morning, okay? He says this. Listen to what I'm about to say. Listen to the words of Paul. This is so important. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Eat the meat, throw away the bone, okay? 
But he says, notice this. He says, test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. What Paul was saying is this, and he says it throughout the New Testament over and over again. He says, test every prophecy, every teaching. Listen to what I'm about to say. He says this, question it. Question it. Question what you're being taught. Question what's being preached. Question when someone supposedly or whatever prophesies. Question it. Test it. Make sure that it adds up. Make sure that it lines up with Scripture. Give me just a few more moments this morning. Acts 17, 11. When Paul left the church at Thessalonica in Acts 17, remember the story there? He leaves. He goes to another city, the city of Berea. And when he goes to Berea, notice what happens. He preaches. He teaches. Listen to what Paul says in this verse. He says, uh, Luke, the author of the book, says this about Paul's experience. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Notice what they did, though. Something very unique. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Can I say something? If someone tells you, don't question. You just do what we tell you to do. You better get your antennas up. Let the radars go off. Deep, 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 beep, 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 whatever. Watch out. Are you listening? Because that is not what the Bible says. You will never hear me get up here and say, well, just do what I say or do what I tell you to do. Absolutely not. It better line up with the scriptures. It better line up with the word of God. You should question what's being said. You should be. And I have no problem with it. Because here's the reason. Because understand this, it needs to be backed by the authority of the word of God. And Paul said these people were noble. These people, he liked it. He said because they questioned everything. They tested everything that I said. Day after day, they went home. They checked the scriptures to make sure that what he was saying lined up with it. Boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot of teachers and preachers. The Bible warns of the false prophets that will come in the last days. We're living in the last days. In the last days, there'll be many false teachers, many false prophets. And here's the thing. They will say, don't question what I say. And if you hear that, run. That's what Paul said, right? He said, run, run from it. If they say, don't, don't question it, don't test it, you, you, know, you just do what we tell you to do. That is when you need to run. Are you with me this morning? That is not what I'm saying. That's what Paul said. This is what the scripture says. And so he says, you need to test everything. As a new pastor here, you should go home and study your Bibles to make sure that what I'm saying lines up with the Word of God. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving you permission. I'm encouraging you. I'm saying you make sure that it lines up with the Word of God. Does that, is that a deal? Amen? Please do. In John 1, listen to what John said. In John 1, verses 1 through 4, he says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Down in verse number 14, in the same chapter, listen to what John says. He says this, listen carefully. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who, beca- 
who came from the Father full of grace and truth. See, John says, understand this, that Jesus has always been. Jesus is God. Jesus was with God. He has always been, has always existed. Remember what in the book of John, what got Jesus in trouble? Jesus said, he said this, he said, I and my Father, we are one. And what did the Bible say? The Jews picked up stones to stone him. Jesus here is the word, the one who has always been, the one who is God. It says this, as we read here, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word, say it with me, was God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. This is clearly what scripture teaches. And that this word became flesh. That's Jesus. He dwelt among us and we saw him and he, he, he became flesh. God became flesh so that we can see him and know him. And Jesus said, I and my father are one. Now, notice what John says later in 1 John 4, 1 through 3. You say, why are you bringing this up? Why are you saying this? Because Paul said to test the prophets, to test what people say and what people teach. And listen to what John says. John says in uh, 1 John 4, 1 through 3, discerning false prophets. He says this, dear friends... Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Not everyone who says that they're a messenger of God is a messenger of God. Are you with me? Not Just because someone says, I'm a messenger of God, does not mean they're a messenger of God. He says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, but you must test them. See what John says? He says, test it. Make sure that it, it lines up with the Word of God. Make sure it lines up with Scripture. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. Let me pause for a minute. You know what blows me away? Is that before people buy something, those, and they'll do all kinds of research. Am I right? You'll do Google reviews. You want to find out. I mean, and it might be a $20 product. I do it. I have to admit. I look at it and I read the reviews. And, you know, you, you, are you with me? How many of you are going to buy a car? Have you ever maybe done some research? How many miles per gallon? You know, what, what, maintenance? Does it break down? How many of you have ever done that? Am I the only one? You've done this? You've been there, done that? You do some research. You want to check it out. Make sure that, that, you know, this is right. Can I say, why in the world do we think that when the most important thing, our souls, our spiritual beings are eternal. And why do we sometimes not take that seriously? We spend more time researching a car. We spend more time researching a a piece of equipment. We'll spend more time researching something like that. But we don't research whether something is true or not. When it comes to our spiritual beings, I pray that this is speaking to each of our hearts. Are you with me this morning? He says, test it. Make sure that it's the truth. Make sure. He says, make sure. Verse, he says, you must test them to see if the, the spirit they have comes from God. Why? For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. Listen to these words. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world, and indeed is already here. Beware of those that criticize or rebuke you for asking questions. We, 
at Red Hills encourage you to ask questions. We encourage you to test and make sure that what we're saying lines up with the Word of God. The Bible encourages and commends those that test and ask questions. The Apostle Paul says test. Make sure that what, you're, what, you're, what is being said lines up with the Word of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Test it. Test it. And then he finishes. He says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make all this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. Some would say a holy kiss. Let me just pause for a moment because it does, that is more of a greeting. Okay, In the Middle East, how do they greet with one another? With a kiss. Basically, it would be a hug or a handshake, how you would greet one another. He says, greet them. And then he says, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. That's what we've been doing. And he says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And all God's people said, Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I finished by saying this this morning. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ said, I and my Father are one. And I finished by saying this morning, listen to me, that this church cannot save you. There is not a church that can save you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is our only hope of eternal life. No church, no religion, listen to me, no religion. Red Hills cannot save anyone. We come here to learn of the one who saves. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we understand that God said this in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Anyone who preaches any other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ What is that gospel of Jesus Christ? That Jesus Christ is the one and only way. Jesus Christ. It is not a church. It is not a religion. I cannot give you eternal life. This church cannot give you eternal life. Listen to me. Baptism cannot give you eternal life. Tithing cannot give you eternal life. Works cannot give you eternal life. Only Jesus Christ can. And John says if someone preaches another Christ other than that, that is a false gospel and they are not a true prophet and our desire is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ because it is him who saves it is him who gives us eternal life through Jesus Christ amen and may we always may we always stand on the truth of the word of God would you stand with me this morning would you stand with me